subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, Tommy played golf this weekend. I played golf this weekend. Did you play any golf this weekend? I did not, Ty. No, I did not. Too hot for me. It is, uh, it is, it it's been a scorcher across not just Arkansas here. And I mean, it's, it's all over, it seems like. Tommy, you were telling me what the heat index reached 120. Is 125 and something. Uh, 130. 130 in Danville. 130. Jeez. Yeah. Man. Well, did you have a good weekend, man? Again, we're 19 days out. Only got a couple more days till we actually get football going. Did you have a good weekend, Chuck? I did have a good weekend. Okay. Yes, I did. It was too hot to play golf. Sounds like we're going to have a couple of days where it's better, and then it's going to get hot again. Yeah, Tommy, you mentioned again it's going to, what did you say, 80-something? Well, like today? 82 is today. Uh, today oh, today and tomorrow and Wednesday are going to yeah. be great. Yeah. Then it's going to be hot again. Yeah. Well, speaking of hot, the defensive line was apparently really hot on Saturday. They uh, It seemed like they got the edge based on the comments that you heard from Coach Pittman and others, and um, it's, well, it's interesting to hear some of the comments that are being made by the players at this point. And again, we have to uh, kind of wait and see uh, until this point. But I, to me, the defensive line, what we talked about them being seniors based on what we keep hearing about, it's going to be probably the strength of your defense to this Could point. Could be. Could be. And, you know, you want to be able to get after the quarterback. Now, obviously, if you're on the other side of the ball, you want to keep him away. And so, you know, scrimmages have an ebb and a flow to them. And there's a back and a forth. And generally speaking, what will happen, one side will have the advantage one week, and then the next week the other side will have the advantage. These things are more scripted maybe than you might realize from what they run offensively and defensively, what they bring defensively, how the scrimmage is called. You know, to me that was probably the most significant thing about Saturday was you played in true game-type situations. And, hey, they want these guys flagged a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, they do. And so that's why they had it called the way they had it called. And so all those things come together to make an interesting first scrimmage. And that's what it was, a first scrimmage. And there's going to be a lot more to come. But, um, yeah, based on what we hear, sounds like the defensive line had a good day. And I would expect them to have a lot of good days. I like what Cameron Ball, who's defensive tackle, what he said after the scrimmage. Basically, we just gave a preview of how it's going to be this season. I like that. I like that a lot. I also like what Coach Adams said about the D-line rotation. I've been places where guys are playing 50, 60, 65 snaps a game. I just don't believe you can play that many reps and be as effective as you need to be. And our guys know that. We talked about that as a group. They understand it. They understand there'll be some type of rotation. But at the end of the day, when it's time to make a play and the guy's hot, I'm going to put him on the field and I'm going to let him do his thing. You think about who they added out of the portal this offseason with the addition of the guys coming back. And Torian Carter just him coming off the injury. You got Kelvy Rose out of Louisiana Tech, Tank Booker from Maryland, Trajan Jeffcoat from Missouri. Hopefully he hits like Trey Williams did two years ago, and John Morgan from Pitt. All guys that are going to play, all guys that are going to have an impact, and Coach Pittman, again, very complimentary what Adams has done 
adding to his room and keeping that room together. You look at great SEC football teams, and I'm talking about some of the vintage Alabama teams and Georgia's team right now and some of the others. The common denominator is the ability to rotate on the defensive line and not have drop-off. I can tell you for years, you know, we fill out these spotting boards every week before we call a game. You'd have third-team defensive linemen for Alabama making plays in the first quarter. I mean, making plays, making tackles, uh, getting after the quarterback, getting a QBH, playing a role. These are guys that are third. You know, whether you're in three down linemen or four, these are guys that were third on the depth chart, and they're playing and making plays in the first quarter. That's what you have to have to be a great team. And we're a lot closer in that area right now than we've ever been. I thought Coach would ask about Deke Adams and being back for another year, and it's been a little while since he's had back-to-back years with a defensive line coach, and you're going into one. But I thought he made a great point that's pretty obvious that, hey, you know, we've got Ball and we got Tory and Carter back. You got Landon Jackson, but other than that, the room is fairly new. Mm-hmm. So you know, he said it's about the coach and controlling that room and, and eliminating the conflict and being a great recruiter and all the things that he went through. But you know, it, does it really matter if you have your coach back when the majority of your room is all transfer players and new players anyway? That room got turned over. Well, so, you don't have to recoach the coach. That's true. If you're Sam Pittman, you don't have to recoach the coach. You got a guy there that knows what you want and understands very clearly what the expectation is. Now, the thing that I think makes a position coach harder now, the job harder than it was before, is you know the winning edge. I've always believed for a coach is being able to get between their ears and understand what makes them tick how they respond, and you've got to do that really quickly now. You know, we make it sound like, oh, well, they had a spring practice together. Some of these guys have three, four, five years with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so three, four, five years into a, into a relationship, you know the buttons to push, good and bad. But when you're inside a six-month window there before you're playing your first ball game, you got to figure that stuff out in a hurry. And that, in my opinion, makes the job more difficult. I mentioned Rose, Booker, and some of the other guys that came over. Torian Carter and Cam Ball were asked about, hey, what's it like to have the same defensive line coach for, again, another year? Because that's been a revolving door since at Arkansas. I mean, Pittman was pretty clear. You don't get playmakers, it's not going to work out. And they were speaking to the positives that, Chuck, again, it's one thing to have three, four, five years under a certain coach or with a certain player. But even now two years with the evolving transfer portal, different position coaches changing. I mean, they were speaking to the positives of that as well. Coaches, good coaches coach talent well. And sometimes you can be a great coach and you can coach the guy up just as much as you can coach him up. And it's not going to be enough because he's not that kind of guy. You give a good coach a good player, and man, some, I mean, some really good things can happen. And I think that's, I think that's what we're approaching. And now they got to go do it in the games. But they've certainly got a lot of guys there that can make plays. And we've got a couple texts here on the McClarty-Daniel hotline, one from B.G. and Rogers, the other one for Jeff and Fort Smith, asking about the offensive line and their play on Saturday. Tommy, I wonder, okay, so I think it's, it's at least you can argue that the strength of the defense is the defensive line, or the, particularly the DNs. So how do you balance if they are winning scrimmages or winning practices 
with wondering about what the old line's going to be. Obviously, it's good for them entering the season when you play SEC talent defensive lines, but how do you balance, of your opinion, what the offensive line is? They didn't have Daniel, Devin Manuel on Saturday. He's out for three or four days. I think Shambly filled in for him in, at the uh, the tackle position. How do you justify an opinion on what the offensive line's going to be? All you can do is listen to the coach. I mean, we don't get to see it, so, I mean, I don't know how you really form an opinion on something you didn't see when all you're doing is listening you know, to the head coach to tell you what what he's seen and what his opinion is, and that's filtered with what he wants out there. I, if I remember right, he said Devin Manuel, he's still trying to figure out, is he going to be his left tackle? I think we're – was that pretty close to the words he said, Chuck? I mean, so he's still trying to figure some things out. Well, I think also, too, and I'll go back to what I said a minute ago, you don't know exactly how the scrimmage has been scripted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't understand always, um, you know, what the objective is that day. I'll say this, if you step back five feet, really take a look at it, all right, Devin Manuel's out. He's not practicing that day. That means Shambly is over there as your left tackle. First-year player in terms of meaningful minutes. Right. He's lined up across from a guy who's a fifth-year guy, transfer, been all over the place. Well, who's going to win that battle? Of course. But the thing is, it's the first scrimmage. You're a you're a week into this. You're not playing a game right now. Um, the guy that you think might be the starter didn't even practice. So, right. you know, uh, again, I hear you, and I do think the defensive line, don't get me wrong, I think it's a strength, and I think there are areas on the offensive line where some real questions are going to have to be answered. And, and we won't know the answers, really, until we get to the games. But I wouldn't read too much into – defensive line versus offensive line coming out of the first scrimmage. Because, as you're saying, it shouldn't surprise any of us if we're sitting here a week from today and talking about how the offensive line looked really good. Man, I don't know what happened to the defensive line this week, but it seemed like the O-line won the day from what Coach said. That's exactly what we may be discussing. Let's just take a look at the flip side. Let's just take a look at the flip side. Let's say the offense had just scored on play after play after play. Well, that's exciting. Man, I love our offense. We're going to score a lot of points. Well, they scored on every play. How many are you going to give up? Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, people talk about, well, is this good? Is this a concern? Um, you know, let's get out there in September playing against guys who sometimes don't know what's coming, uh, guys who show you things you've not seen before. Let's see how everybody reacts because I promise you, whatever Andrew Chambly saw, and the other offensive lineman saw on Saturday, by the time we get certainly to Baton Rouge and probably before, they're going to see something that they've not seen before. And they're going to have to make adjustments on the fly. And how they do that will determine the outcome of that game probably. I just really like what I see in terms of roster. Look, you know how like you get off the bus. Like Landon Jackson, for example, 6'7". He's up to, I think, 280. Well, he's a load. Yeah. Load. He looks like an SEC defensive Looks like an NFL player is well, what he looks Quincy like. Quincy Rhodes, 6'6", right. six, six, true freshman out of Little Rock Mills. You've got uh, Tank Booker, who you got from Maryland, who's 300-plus pounds. You've got Torian Carterback, who's all of 6'3", 303. I mean, you've got some dudes on the line of scrimmage. Again, you have to see how it plays out, but the depth that you've added, and it's not just, again, you're not just plucking in guys. You've got some absolute manables. You mentioned the fifth-year senior aspect, Chuck. I mean, again, we can't overlook this stat. Nine of your defensive linemen are seniors. Now, all, and a lot of them haven't been here since they got as arrived as freshmen. you got plenty of transfers, but 
Those are guys that have been around the block in college football. No doubt. That's what gives them a chance. And that's, uh, you know, that's why I was saying a little bit ago, I think, you know, this is as close as we've been to having the legitimate type rotational depth that you need at that spot. And it doesn't guarantee anything, but it does mean we're a lot closer to where we need to be. The mouth is in Stuttgart this morning on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. What's up, Brent? What's up, Ty, Ty, Tommy, and Chuck? Hello, Brent. Hey, first off, I wanna I wanna thank everybody that's come on to the coaches in the mouth pod this 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 these last three days and listen to our uh, listen to our uh, coach Pittman interview. Thank you very much. Uh, but I want to tell you this: I I watched the uh, interview of, of uh, KJ Jefferson and uh, Cam, uh, Cam Ball uh, the other day. I guess it was either after the scrimmage Saturday or after practice Friday. And that that Cam Ball is one massive individual. That's a, that's all I can say about that young man. And it's a good thing when the uh, defensive line is taking care of business with against our offensive line, I believe. Because uh, that's the type defensive line we're going to see for, tw- for uh, a solid eight weeks once the conference series, and once the conference season gets started. And... Uh, I know as an offensive line coach's son, you hated to see the defensive line get the best of you, but it it, it improves. It makes the uh, offensive line improve rapidly, too, because they don't like seeing themselves get tossed around or beat up a little bit. You know what I mean? So, so that's my, my take on it. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, Campbell's all 6'5", 319, and uh, you're lucky to have him on your football team. That's actually a pretty good point about going against these guys every day, um, how you're going to get better from that. And that is one of the byproducts of being deep on the defensive line and having a good defense, frankly, just overall, yeah. is that, you know, what you see on Saturday is going to be similar to what you see in practice. And, you know, you don't want – what have the guys you're going up against on Saturday to you know be starkly different from the guys you've been working against Monday through Friday? So um, yeah, not that that's you know the end all be all, but I do think it's a decent point. How can we make the point without someone saying iron sharpen sharpens yeah. iron? I mean, okay, I didn't on. want let's, to go to that cliche. Come on right now, I mean, how do you really sum the conversation I almost up said that? that. <laughs> I almost said that, but I thought no, I'm not. You know, iron go sharpens yet. iron, man. Yeah. KJ, yeah. Uh, that's KJ's fallback phrase. He uh, he likes to say that. Oh, it's a been lot. said for years. Well, man. someone who actually like looks like they might could sharpen some iron, you know, when <laughs> yeah. it comes out of their mouth. But you know, you know, a couple of slugs sitting yeah. around on the couch saying yeah. iron sharpens iron. It's like, well, what do you know about that? <laughs> It's just a cliche, yeah. you know, so I didn't go there. That's what we were saying on the golf course this yeah. weekend. Iron sharpens iron, yeah. and uh, our irons were going to the woods yeah. rather than uh, yeah. on the fairway at this point in time. Yeah, my irons weren't real sharp at times either, but I, different different kind of iron. It happens. Now, it, I mentioned KJ there. KJ, he's a different guy on the field than he is. He got asked about that and talks about just his different mentality when he's on the field. It's a little more loose, a little more, again, open. Did he seem frustrated on Saturday? Just to me, he did. 
And I don't know if it's because he felt like the offensive should have had a better outing. But well, I, and he's he's very matter of fact. He's very business like. But he didn't look happy on Saturday. Come back, KJ, right yeah, in, the, in the interview. So I thought Coach maybe gave a glimpse into to a moment that may have caused the frustration because you know anytime you got near KJ, they blew the blew it dead, right? And there was one play, and Coach was laying this out in his um, visit with the media, where it was third and three or whatever, and he and Coach blows the play dead, and KJ got upset with Coach. He said, I, "They're not tackling me on that play." So I feel like it, maybe there's some frustration. I'm reading into this just based on this comment, but maybe some frustration that because he can't go full speed, he can't do all the things he's going to do in a game. It's it's a little little frustrating mentally for KJ at this point because he's not getting to break the tackles. He's not getting to do the things that um, you know that we're going to see in 19 days. Well, maybe to an extent, yeah. I, I didn't sense frustration when I when I listened to him. Now I will say he's a competitor, and if you're out there and you know, you feel like, you know, I'd have made that first down easily. But they blow the whistle two yards short. I mean, the competitor in you is going to be, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to say what he said. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a, you know, it's a, and, and I'm sure you didn't mean it this way. It, it, it's not an overriding issue. I don't think KJ's like so frustrated in practice he's having a bad practice because he's mad because he can't break a tackle. But I think the competitor in him, yeah. I, I I think if it's third and three and they blow the whistle and he's short, he, he's going to tell him he could have yeah. made it. And Hey, I'd believe him, you know. Yeah. I'd believe him when he says that. I think what Coach said is when he – after Coach had blown a dead, he turned to – KJ turned to Coach and said, they're not tackling me on that yeah. play. Or well, something, yeah. That was his exact words, I believe. Yeah. And you'd expect that yeah. from somebody that competes. NCAA football is officially coming out next summer. And I would guess KJ's, again, he's probably not going to be on the cover, but if the game was created now, if he was playing, his break tackle would be like an 89. It'd be like an – What does, a, that, what does 89 mean? Like a, ra- a rating from 1 to 100. He would oh. be – just because you think about some of the plays. So when he does that – Again, in practice and stuff, he knows. I mean, one defensive back is probably not going to bring him so down. So, Ty, when you play that game, when you play that game and someone breaks a tackle, do you say iron sharpens up? Absolutely. <laughs> do you? Absolutely, okay. man. Right. Yes. I just wondered. I'm I gonna, just, I, I just wondered. That was. Uh, I'm gonna guess the majority of our audience probably doesn't have that game, nor will have it. So, at, at some their point, kids may. <laughs> at some point in time, my yeah, son may. I won't. KJ, you need to get him that. Yeah. He needs to get off the Fortnite. He needs to to play NCAA football. But these guys are listen. We talk about how ready we are. We, yeah, we got Game Pass. If it's on Game Pass, we're gonna have it. Baby. Have it. Nineteen. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned again. We're nineteen days out from Ridgeback football. There's no one, and I, I love our audience. I love our fans. There's no one more ready for. The season to start than these. They're they're sick of playing each other. They're sick of the scrimmages. Yeah. They're sick of practice. They want to. There's play. another cliche. We're ready to hit somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Well, they hit. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, we watched That's a good one. We yeah. watched some highlights. They it's were a hitting. Cliche Monday. Yeah. Cliche Monday. Yeah. Not hot take Monday. Cliche Monday. During the summer months, I know many of you are active. Go into the lake. Go into the beach. And if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And you can get 50% off your order right now using the code 
HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. All right, let's jump back into Hunter's editorial. And if you don't know what we're talking about, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, your athletics director at Arkansas, uh, wrote about not NIL, but revenue sharing. Now, NIL is included because it's kind of part of this. And in California, Tommy, you can explain it better than I can. A change with revenue sharing and distribution well, to the 50%, proposal, the yeah. proposal that's out there. Well, so California was the state that first introduced the legislation, and there's a there's a time window on it that you know, didn't make it effective immediately with NIL, but they they were the first state to pass laws that that made name, image, likeness, and players' uh, uh, ability to get money legal in the state of California. And of course, the re, the immediate reaction was other states had to jump on board with similar legislation so that they didn't get left behind, and that's why we have a need for national legislation. Now California wants to press the envelope a little further by calling for 50% revenue sharing with the players based on what these athletic departments are, are raking in with the TV money, the ticket money, and, and so forth. Hunter Juracek's editorial was essentially you will gut college athletics uh, from top to bottom if this is the model because that 50% they're talking about sharing is what is what funds and makes sure that Olympic sports and a lot of the female sports and basically every sport other than men's basketball and football exist. And the very existence of those sports, Chuck, could could be taken away if, if a model that's been proposed goes through where half the revenue is shared with the players, the rest of the athletic department would not have the money to operate. Well, I think the first thing you need to say is it is a proposal. Yeah. It's not even come up for a vote yet. Um, but there's no doubt that it's out there. 
And you're right, and Hunter's right that that is what funds so much of the uh, so many of the other sports. And yeah, you know, you're going to run into Title IX issues if you do this. You know, just to look further on down the road, you're going to run into Title IX issues on this. There's no way around it because you have to have equal funding. And the idea that you know this is. Uh, <laughs> this is not one of those situations, even though it seems like money grows on trees sometimes. I mean, there's there there's a way that you accumulate it, and um, there's a way that you spend it. And, um, you know, women's athletics has been well-funded, um, at least at the University of Arkansas and at a lot of other schools in our country, as it should be. And so, you know, you jeopardize a lot of that when you do something like this. Um, frankly... You have people who are proposing legislation who really don't understand what they are proposing, and they don't understand the ramifications of their proposals. I'm not going to sit here and say they're mean-spirited people. I don't believe that. They want the players to share in the revenue, and I don't disagree with that theoretically. But I think that they feel like that everything that schools take in is pure profit. And they don't understand that there are a lot of other sports that have to be funded by this. And, you know, that's just, I think that's kind of where we are in terms of a lot of the proposals right now. I just don't think people really understand the ramifications of what they're proposing to others. And, uh, but now I don't, just for the record, I I don't think this proposal is going to pass in California. And if it does... Um, the only people that are going to be heard are the schools in California yeah. because I don't think other states will adopt it. No, I, I would agree. But, I mean, there, this has got – it's garnered enough attention that your athletic director wrote an editorial. Oh, he's right. Papers. So he, I mean, he, I mean, he's I'm completely saying, a, right about it. Right, but there, there's a, this isn't some, you know, this isn't just some harebrained, schemed idea. I mean, it, it, it was enough that your, your athletic director – Spent I don't know how many hours writing his thoughts out and published it in the newspaper. It, it so warranted. It was big enough to for it, him it got to his response. response. It's yeah. gotten his and his colleagues full attention. And let's also not pretend like you know if you slash fifty percent of the profits. Uh, a big part of where you would have to cut in order to survive would be administration and the multi layers of administration with nice cushy salaries that they would change the world of who runs the athletic departments as much as anything well certainly they'd be affected um i also think that you know things like travel things like accommodations things like per diem uh this kind of goes back to the football discussion we were having a little bit earlier um but in this case when you talk about women's athletics um it's got to be you know it's it's got to comply with title nine Mm-hmm. The idea that you're going to be able to split 50% of the profits with all male football players, um, that, that's not going to fly. Yeah. It's just not going to fly. Well, and what you're saying is un- eventually un- a higher court would strike down the law as unconstitutional. Well, I may be, look, I've not read the proposal, and I may be misunderstanding, but the way that I understand what they have talked about is that you know this revenue would be split 50-50, but the revenue is being generated by the football, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I mean, the way that I understand the athletic model right now, um, if you're going to split 50% with the football players, you got you, you better make darn sure you're splitting it the same way with every female athlete on campus. You're going to have a Title IX issue. I, I, I may be misunderstanding it, but that would be my read. Yeah, and everyone, I mean, everyone listens. It's not sexist for me to say. 
It's just truth. KJ Jefferson is worth more than any female athlete on campus. Any female athlete. Well, uh, that's worth, oh, worth, worth, worth more. Is, uh, that's a broad term. He right is more there. valuable He's to more the more university. In terms of dollars. Bars, in terms, terms of dollars. dollars, yes. But you can't say someone's more valuable just because they're a bigger earner. From These a, are kids. From a, from a money financial status only. That is how you have to look at it. And some people will get pushed back on that at some point. And I, got, I had the same question you just did, Chuck, is this 50% that we're talking about, it does it just go to every sport? And when you eliminate, again, if if this is going to be the case and then sports are eliminated on campus, is it like when you, ha- when you knock out one sport, let's say it's a, a female sport, you have to knock out the male sport to make it equitable, right? So if you, again, if you're at that point where the revenue – is is off or whatever then you would have to eliminate it's not just one one male sport it's generally or matching sport. sports like it's softball and baseball match up yeah you know and arkansas is lucky and it doesn't make a lot baseball doesn't make a lot but arkansas is one of the few campuses across the country that is financially profitable in football basketball and baseball now football kicks it everyone else but you still make good money in basketball baseball i think it was like one or two million if i remember that right that is not the case on most campuses it is just football and just basketball for the most part. And I, I, I just don't know how it makes it. I think the byproduct is simple on this. The byproduct is you're eliminating sports. I don't know how people can't see the, the ramifications of that based on what Hunter said. Hunter's not the only one that thinks this way. It's not the only one that can see. That I don't even know why this is even at the table if you know what's going to happen if you go through with this. Well, we said the same thing with NIL, though. Why is California trying to do this? And, you know, on its... On its very surface, the idea is not uh, one you necessarily would push back from, but until you peel back the layers. And just like with NIL, we said, well, but if you go down this path, we're going to end up basically buying players through recruiting with NIL. Oh, no, no, that's not the intent. Well, where are we at? And why is there a need for national legislation? That was the essence of what Hunter was saying is here's what's going to happen. Here are going to be... You know, here are going to be the ramifications. We need Congress. And again, it's it's awfully dangerous when you ask the federal government to get involved. But that was at the essence of what he was saying. It was, we need a national platform with one body of rules, and we need Congress to help solve this, or here are the problems we will face in, at some point in the future. Can you imagine Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, if it was just run regionally and there was no commissioner? Can you imagine what that would be like? It would be utter chaos. And that's what we have right now. That's what we have. And they're, um, they've got to find a way to – and I know, again, people – you know, there's a natural red flag that comes up when you say, hey, we need this to be controlled nationally. Um, I get that, and I'm sort of that way too. But I don't know what the alternative is here. Um, what we're doing right now is, is – um, you know, I don't think it's working. Now, I'm not going to sit around and lament it every day because there's just not anything I can do about it at this point. But by the same token, um, everything Hunter wrote was right. Everything he wrote was right. And, um, again, I just think the legislation that – and when people talk about things like that, I, I just don't really think they fully understand what they're talking about. Yeah, because the other thing he, he wrote about was not only – you know, does each state law, I mean, every state has the right to pass its own laws for NIL. And I guess this matter too, at some point, but in the absence of state laws, the NCAA has told the institution, just create your own guidelines. Just go by, just create your own. Well, they've not really said it. They just have no choice. Right. 
they, uh, you know, they just well, don't the have reality. a choice. It's the current reality. So, and, I mean. Um, hey, you know, uh, I don't know how they're going to rein this in, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know, uh, because it's certainly not done. But the idea that you're going to be able to, you know, first off, even if you were going to split, let's say you were going to split the revenues 50-50 with every student athlete on campus. You know, despite what we think, I'm not sure there's that much money to go around. I mean, you might think there is. On the surface, you might think, well, they got more money than they know what to do with. You start, you know, you start doing things like that, um, you can eat that money up pretty quickly. We played Kurt Herbstreet's comments a little earlier, and Tommy, you kind of made a joke that he was almost petitioning for the job. I, I think we mentioned last week, y'all don't think Nick Saban would be interested in, in, in this type. Who is a guy that commands enough spec? It's not just a regional thing because it's college football. It's, it's all over the United States. Who is a name that could actually command enough respect if something was like this happened where they'd make a commissioner of college football? Who is a name that it would actually fit Greg for that position? Yeah, that's what I'd say. I think you've got to have someone that understands the process. I don't okay. think you can just put someone and, – and look, I like Kirk Curbstreet a lot. I think in many respects he's become the face of college football. But I don't know that someone like that has the working knowledge of how administration works on a daily basis. Um, Sankey's really grown on me over the years. I'll be very honest with you there. Um, I thought that Slive, as effective as he was, was a little bit detached. I never really understood who Mike Slive was. Um, I think Greg Sankey, and I realize this sounds simplistic, but this is kind of how I judge people. I think his heart's in the right place. I think he's got the best interest of the game at heart. I think he's got the best interest of the kids at heart. I think he is a steward of the game. Um, and I don't know that all these characters that we're talking about right now are stewards of the game. They're stewards of themselves, but I don't know that they're stewards of the game. So I could certainly see Sankey yeah. in that spot, and I wouldn't argue with it at all. Here, here would be my question. Would there be pushback just because of what he's been in his position? Could you, could you pitch it to members of the Big Ten, members of the ACC, members of the Pac-12, members of the Big 12, and say, this guy could do it from an overall standpoint? Because we know he's done for a conference. We know where the SEC is right now. But is that an easy sell to college football as a whole, a guy that's had a background, at least well, lately, in the southeast part? We're kind of running off into a very hypothetical situation. I, I mean, we're, 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 you know, we're talking about what might be, and I get it. But um, I don't know if Sankey would be a tough sell or not. I, I mean, we're a long way from that point. Yeah. So – Number one job of whoever held that role. I mean, you talk about all these other reforms and changes, and they would certainly have to shepherd those, but still, what would be your number one job? It would be negotiating your TV contract. That's the, that's the number one job of any commissioner because that's the golden goose that lays all the eggs. Mm -hmm. All the golden eggs come from the TV deal. So whoever you put in charge, if, if, you ever, if the sport ever evolves to that or devolves to that or however you want to describe it, your ability to negotiate with television networks is your number one task. The number one well, skill you better have, because that's where the you, money's going to come from. You better have the skill. There's no doubt about that. But what it's strictly being, you know, good at television contracts. It's kind of gotten us into this spot. Well, it, we need somebody that is committed to NIL, that is committed to the kids, that is committed to the game. Um, that's what we're missing. We've had plenty of people that could negotiate good TV deals. That's what's gotten us to this point.
Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Hi, Coach Sam Pittman was asked about injuries that occurred at the scrimmage. Here's what he had to say about wide receiver Sam Mbake and tight end Nathan Bax. We did have a couple guys that got banged up out there with uh, Sam Mbake and Nathan Bax. At this time, I don't know the full extent of either one of their injuries, but they did get injured and weren't able to come back to the scrimmage. I don't have an update for you on Nathan Bax. What I can tell you is Sam Bakke posted a picture, and it said 2024. I'm paraphrasing something like that. Might lead you to believe he could be out till next year. We'll have to wait and see kind of to a status report on him. But those were the, the kind of two injuries along with uh, Devin Manuel held out for three or four days. Poopal was held out. He could have played if it was a game. And then Tank Booker was held out as well. Coach does not speak to the media again till Saturday. So unless it's through a press release or something on social media, you know, the assistant coaches and the coordinators are not going to speak to injuries. The head coach is the only one that will do that. So it may be next Saturday before you can ask that question directly and get a direct answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Um, I saw where there was some stuff posted, but I'm not sure exactly, Mm -hmm. you know, what the situation is right now. Um, I'm sure that when, you know, they practice and the media watches the first 20 minutes, everybody's going to look to see if he's out there. Right. I'll bet that. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, there have been some good things said about Sam. So if he is, again, out for the season, it's kind of a, a bummer for him. Yeah. But that's just something that it's part of co- college football, unfortunately. Well, but- Bax is the guy that I would wonder about mm-hmm. because that's the spot where um, you look at and, you know, there's there's some promise in that room. But you know, you could certainly use a player like that who's been around the block and gives you a physical presence there. And we focus on tight ends as pass catchers, but most of what they do um, involves line of scrimmage play. And Back's pretty good at that. So I'll be interested to see what the what the report is on him too. And you like, like you said, assistant coaches aren't going to answer. Coach Morgan Turner, who is the tight ends coach, will be up today. He'll probably get asked about it. He will just say, hey, we'll have to hear from yeah. Coach on Saturday. And coach is the only one that talks about injury. Yeah, when it comes to that. So Coach Turner's meeting with the media today. Coach Kennedy, offensive line, meeting on Tuesday. Coach Woodson and the DBs on Wednesday. Thursday, you got KJ and Coach Enos. Friday's Coach William, the linebackers. And then Tommy referred to Coach Pittman. Tommy, who are you interested in hearing from? Because honestly, this is probably one of the the few times we'll get to hear from the position coaches slash coordinators. Yeah, I want to hear from Dan Enos. I mean, so Thursday's the day I'll 
watch that video twice at hitthatline.com because okay. it, you know, I, I don't know what the schedule is going to be in the regular season. I guess they may have decided, but I don't think we know is, you know, how often is Dan Enos going to be available? So this will be one of the few times that we may be here from Dan Enos. If about, at all. If, yeah, this may be it. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear heard from- once before. We've already had one, but there's there's very limited in season chances with the coordinators. Yeah, I I mean it's pretty understandable to to go with that. I would actually say Coach Woodson because one of the intriguing parts about him as a coach is how bad Florida State was passing defense. Arkansas, of course, one thirty first last year. Can he change that around immediately? It's not going to be just him. It's going to be some of those defensive line we talked about getting pressure, stopping the run, as Chuck's mentioned. But I want to kind of hear his approach to how he was able to get that turned around quickly in Tallahassee, guys? Well, better players is probably the start. And Arkansas has got better players back there than they have. Um, you know, we'll see You know, we'll see how it goes. When they, I, I, don't, I, I don't really know how to respond to that, um, to be very honest with you. I, I'm, I'm glad they had success at Florida State. I hope they have success here, too. But I think that, you know, overall, you know, the performance of the defense overall – that's going to be a big part of it. I, I um, you know, beyond that, I'm, I'm not sure what to say. Couple more uh, football notes for you. Rocket Sanders, he's on the Doak Walker War watch list, also on the Walter Camp Player of the Year watch list. And then Tommy, I also saw that uh, over the weekend, AJ Brathwaite left the the team. I did see that. We have one departure. Yeah, he was sixth year player and uh, what corner? With corner, I know he's in the secondary. secondary yeah. He's in the secondary. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the only one I, I know of this year that's already left. So. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he uh, he was seeing the handwriting on the wall for his place on the depth chart. Yep. Well, also, too, this is a guy, and I don't know the situation, but he can leave now, and as a graduate, he can go enroll somewhere else and play right away. So um, I'm sure that perhaps I say I'm sure. I can't help but wonder if that entered into his thinking. Yep. Good thing. That's going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey called Let's go to the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in Charlie, who's in Camden. Charlie, you had some thoughts on Saturday scrimmage, man. Yeah, I did, but I wanted to make sure if I move an inch from here, uh, y'all can hear me, right? Uh, Loud and clear. You sound great. All right, if I move, might change. You better stay still here. Uh, guys, I wanted to, Chuck, I wanted to ask you because you've been around so long, but uh, Tommy, too. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way, <laughs> but I, I meant just from an experience standpoint. You know, when you're when you're thinking about, you know, they're obviously Sam worried about protection, but also is it possible too just that we really might have a really good defensive line? And what's the fine line between that? Because I don't want to. I know obviously. I think Charlie moved. Move? Can y'all not hear me? Uh, yeah, we got you back. Out. Go ahead. Okay, well, the the protection. I was just going to be quick here. Uh, Chuck, what's the fine line, though? Because, uh, you know, it's early in camp, and, it, you know, we want to see, obviously, that the D-line is, is doing well with the experience and things of that nature. But what's the fine line, you know, because fans are kind of overreacting and going crazy about how the offensive line plays Saturday. And I'm not too worried about it, but I just wonder what you thought about that. Anyways, y'all have a good one. Okay, thank you. I don't know how they're going to be on the offensive line this year. I think they're going to be okay because they've, they've seemed to fashion something together every year. I'm not that concerned by it because, 
look, I, I'm not saying left tackle is not important. I'm not saying solidifying that position is not important. It is important. But what happened Saturday with Manuel not practicing, um, you know, you had fourth, fifth-year guys going against players who have not played much. And so I think, you know, it's not easy or it's not hard to figure out who's going to win that battle. But, you know, if we get to the game and, you know, the other team's rushing from the blind side and they're getting after the quarterback, well, you got a problem. Or if you're not able to run the football, you got a problem. Um, I do think Arkansas has got a good defensive line. Um, I think they've got legit SEC depth there. I think they've got guys that are going to line up as third stringers who will make plays in virtually every game. Uh, I think they've got that kind of depth. I think they can rotate. I think the days of having to play somebody virtually every snap are over, at least if everyone stays healthy. Um, And as I said a little bit earlier, um, there's an ebb and a flow to who wins the battles in preseason practice. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that's orchestrated. Sometimes it's not. But to answer your question is, I, I'm not real worried about the offensive line right now. You don't always know is that ones-on-ones. You know, you hear about the result, but who are, who are they going up against? It was the first-team yeah. defensive line against who on the offense. I mean, so not always is it, uh, you know, like you said, it's scripted to sometimes have the outcome or the narrative that the coaches want that day. I will say this. If we got some of those defensive ends matched up against a redshirt freshman in the games, we're going to have good days. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Before we take Sterling's call, how much do you think... The college sports and athletics department landscape learn from what happened with NIL and was currently still ongoing when it comes back to the potential revenue sharing discussion with that. that it was initially just kind of shoved through. Um, not all, every scenario was seemingly considered, and now we're dealing with play to play, pay to play for sort. How much did they learn from that when it comes to this element that we now be, could be heading towards? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm equipped to answer that question, but they've had to create a whole new division of their administration. So I don't know how to answer that, Chuck, but I know that they've had to basically hire a, a, a different new staff of people to administrate it. Yeah, I just heard part of the question there. I lost you for a few minutes. I'm sorry. Um, one more time, Tom. Yeah, I'll repeat. So, Chuck, we, we, we've seen with NIL that initially it doesn't seem like every scenario was considered or maybe it was considered they just didn't care. It's come through. It's pay-to-play for a certain extent. 
and there are problems with it. Now we have the possible idea out there that there could be a revenue share between players and athletics department. My, my question would be, how much did they learn from the ongoing problems and the quick turnaround time with NIL and how th- that could play a factor with this new discussion we're kind of circulating around with possible revenue sharing? Well, first off, I don't think we're going to get to revenue sharing. Let me just state that first. Okay. Um, but I think that probably everyone has uh, you know, a better handle on the overall picture, certainly, than they did a year ago. And I think that probably includes the areas where you know, this is a loophole. These are the areas that are the unintended consequences. Um, these are the things that we have to focus in on. These are the things that we need help with. I think the fact that they're pleading for congressional oversight on this is testament to the fact that, you know, this is um, this has gotten to the point where they can't handle it anymore. It, it, it's just the wild, wild west. And so, um, you know, what they've learned, I, I, I they've learned a lot. What that has to do with the revenue share, though, I'm I'm not sure. I I think those are separate issues, and I I, I just I just don't think we're going to get to that point. And you've Tommy, you've made a joke once or twice, not just today, but several times when it comes to this. When you're advocating for Congress to get involved, we really are at that point. But that seems to be well, that's the not only a joke, Ty. natural <laughs> solution. Well, absent absent a governing body that has subpoena power and you know um that's a different issue i know but but barring a strong governing body Mm -hmm. and barring a commissioner um barring someone who can make the call so to speak where else do you go where else do you go when every state's rushing to pass laws that protect themselves um you know when you've got that kind of provincialism going on i don't know where else you go I mean, somebody's got to be in charge at some point. The problem is, and we know the the, the base structure's in, in trouble because each state has its own set of rules. And to me, that's just so adverse from what sports are about. Sports are about everyone having the same starting and finishing line. Well, we don't have the same starting line and finishing line for every school in every state. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's why this will never work. Let's, Someone will always have the inherent built-in super advantage if their NIL laws are better than you'll have state legislatures rushing to change their laws to one up the state next yeah. to them. It's hey, never going to Sterling. change. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk to Sterling and Center Ridge. Sterling, welcome in on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Hey guys, uh, you know, football has always been kind of kind of separated from the other sports. So, uh you know, there's hundred and thirty three Division One football teams. There's over three hundred basketball and baseball teams. Just to just to make that example. And and like you said, everybody got different advantages and disadvantages. And on the same D1 level, the the non-Power 5 and the, and the Power 5, and even within that, with this contract with the ACC has, every year they're $30 million behind the Big Ten and SEC. That's why Florida State was crisis. That's why Clemson, they, I think they're up to something, trying to do something, but that, grant, that Grant's right. It got them locked in. Well, what we're going to see is football is going to be separated, and they're going to be—it's going to be separated whether, with even within the conference. But what I mean by that, like the schedule, only the basketball team, football teams don't have to worry about in that Big Ten going coast to coast. 
you don't have to worry about that tennis team or go, uh, going across country. They're going to divide that conference up, and they might come together for a conference tournament. They're going to have different divisions. The other sports are going are not going to go coast to coast. So whether they separate, uh, whether they, there's going to be a separation, whether it's, uh, I don't know how to put it, I can't find the right words in my head, but whether it's legislated separation or it's going to be, the football is going to be separated from the other sports in some kind of form of fashion. There's no way around it. And they're going to only spend what they can afford. And like y'all have said all morning, if that means cutting some sports, that means cutting some sports. And there'll be a man and a woman for it. If that's what it takes to make all this money fit, that's what they're going to do. But football is losing this roof. And they're losing the roof because they get they get the money. And that's just the bottom line. And as much as Chuck hated it, and I may hate it, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be, it, it might, it might, it's going to be the real semi-pro. But they're going to be semi getting paid somehow, some way. I don't know about that 50-50 split. Because the money going to run out sooner. It's hard to stitch that money out, but don't. If they do that, the, the women, the sports is not making revenue. They'll they'll fix it some some kind of way. Guys, thank you for the line. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Sterling. So I think he brings up a, a really good point there. We talk about equality. It's not equitable right now. He he mentioned the the stat about the ACC making far less money athletic departments. It's not equitable in recruiting either. And I, I know we're trying to get to a closer starting point, but I would argue. It's not a fair starting point right now. There's different starting points for each school. We, we presented this idea that the starting point remains the same, and there are some areas where it is the exact same. The number of players you can have on your roster, stuff like that, but schedules aren't always equitable. Recruiting's not equitable in-state. The revenue's not equitable. So that's to me, is just another it's caveat of this. I don't, I, I don't see it being as equitable as you guys do. Already. I'm not sure what you're saying. I've never thought it was equitable, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure the point that you're making there. Yeah, what you're saying is right. I mean, everyone has different budgets. I'm not sure the point you're making. Uh, what I'm coming back to is, again, like you, the, the starting point that you referred to, right. Tommy. To me, it's not, I don't think schools and football programs at the same starting point in D1 wait, football. It's but you're talking about moving the starting line even more for different schools with this kind of legislation. No, I'm not. We've I, seen it with NI. I'm not. My only point is there's at least a an idea in our head that we, you know, there, there's an even playing field to, to a great degree. I agree. There's It's never been completely equal, but we're talking about further unbalancing the playing field. We, we already have with NIL. It's going to get worse if, mm-hmm. the, if something doesn't get levelized. And that's what, to me, this is all about is everybody operates from the same basic set of standards or rules so that at least the playing field's not more uneven than it already is. Do you think... At some point, when it gets so out of balance and out of whack, I mean, how much validity do, do some put into the championships and the games and the results of what you see? Do you think this is going to go through in some way, shape, or fa- fashion? Do you think they oh, eventually, will? yes. Okay. What's the a timeline on that? In your opinion. Well, I don't even think this California NIL stuff is completely, I mean, when they first passed that law, it had like a three or four year window mm-hmm. before it was enacted and then other states jumped on and things happened. So I don't think we're looking at any time in the next 12 months or 24 months even for something of this nature. 
from the athletic department. Now, what is it you're talking about you think is going to happen over the next 12 months? Well, what are you a, saying? He's asking me about, you know, what Hunter's writing about, is, you know, this this revenue. Oh, will there be congressional oversight? No, no. I'm asking about it. Tommy, asking, you, you said earlier, Chuck, you don't think the revenue sharing is going to happen. I wanted Tommy's take and you think it, it is going to happen. Well, I think, some way, I think there will be a state that will pass them and California has okay. been the one to do things like this. Their, their state government is, mm-hmm. is, is perfectly attuned to, to create legislation of this nature. And I wonder, well, if they do that, the only people that are going to be affected are the people there. We're not going to pass a law just because California has done that. We're not going to do that. And furthermore, there's a lot less money to go around in California right now when it comes to intercollegiate athletics than there was a year ago. So I, I, I just, I just don't know. Uh, I just don't know what they're going to be sharing all that. But there, there's, uh, I just don't see it happening. To me, the, 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 the gist of what Hunter wrote. We're focusing on the football. The gist of what Hunter wrote is about saving college athletics, and that goes way beyond football. Football is what pays for all of it, or at least a good portion of it. Um, You've got to save the intercollegiate model for the other sports. You have to find a way. Um, You can't just run a pro football operation at every college and call that your athletics program. So I think what we're talking about here is, is, is saving a lot of these other sports that we all enjoy watching we take pride in and we're glad that our kids have opportunities to compete in those sports and um you just can't take those opportunities away soccer and softball are great examples at the university of arkansas Mm -hmm. they don't make money but soccer's had a lot of success and people have gotten on board softball's probably the better example of the two with the way that they have competed and you know we're all hoping they break through to the next level and get to the women's college world series those sports there's a good chance under what we've discussed this morning they wouldn't they wouldn't Exist. survive they wouldn't they wouldn't be around. Yeah, and, and again, Title Nine is is changing that. And you'll see it would be an elimination of because the the sports have to be equitable on campus and men ver, men versus women. You would see boards across that thing. And if it stays regional, like it possibly could, where it's just in California, like it wouldn't be enacted in fifty states. I wonder how many players, depending on how what money was there, whether it's a little or a lot, would maybe be persuaded to go out west and play for a california school no i i i i think this is um you know i think it's dying out there and i think whatever they proposed even a year ago out there in california i I don't i don't i don't i don't think it's as pertinent now as it was before because uh the pac-12 is dissolved and west coast football as we know it is gone and this big pot of gold that they have been talking about i just don't really think exists and so, but I do think you mentioned something about recruiting a minute ago, and I think mm-hmm. this is one of the things that, um, you know, when you talk about divisions in college football now and, and um, how it's going to affect the recruiting in non-football sports, um, it's going to have a profound effect on recruiting in the other sports. These schools that are left out in the cold in football, it's going to affect their basketball recruiting. It's going to affect the how they recruit and women's sports it affects everything look at the decommitments that have come from these schools that have been left out in the cold just in the last week or two there there's been a bunch of them and we don't even know the count of the schools that were being recruited who just automatically crossed washington state and oregon state off their list or some of the others too maybe even big schools because their families won't get a chance to watch them play as much anymore 
Um, I think that these things will affect recruiting a lot. Uh, now, how it's going to affect us, I don't know. It might be minimal. might be minimal for us. But I think as a general rule, particularly for those schools and conferences that have been dissolved, their recruiting is going to be affected in a major way. Already is. Yeah. And I think most of us would agree. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe y'all thought you were going to make Buko some money. When I got into radio, I wasn't envisioning making a ton of money. I, I did it because I like it. There's plenty of other jobs I could be doing right now where I'd be way, way more money. So when kids see these dollar signs or whatever, it doesn't necessarily correlate to their best fit. But I feel like now it's just like, hey, who's going to pay me the most? I don't care about the position coach, the head coach, the players. Who's going to give me the most money for playing football or another sport? And I don't know if that's necessarily the best approach to it to take. Now, where, where were y'all chuckling at? Did y'all think you were going to make money? In this industry? <laughs> no, we were trying to think of which profession yeah. you could make more money in. What kind of doctor would you oh. be? That's yeah. what was crossing yeah. my I mean, mind. I, yeah. I, would, would you be a defense yeah. lawyer or would what? you be a prosecutor? Yeah. How, would you, how would you play that? I mean, right. I like to argue. I could have. I, I think I could have passed the bar with a bunch of studying. I, I would have made a decent accountant. I wouldn't have necessarily trusted my services, but I think I would have. I liked accounting. <laughs> well, that's a great endorsement. All right. All <laughs> I liked right. accounting in high school, and uh, I had decent grades in it, so I think I would have done okay. But I mean, that, again, that's that's I, that, that, that's a different subject. Yeah, that's. But uh, but I do wonder again when these guys and gals are looking out possibly where they want to go to school. How much more again? That because it's if it's not the number one thing, it's number two now. Well, it's, it's 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 certainly part of the equation. Yes. It is certainly part of the equation. You'd be naive to think otherwise. Is it the total equation? Well, maybe for some. I don't think it is for everyone. I think there's a package, and NIL money in, is part of that package. I mean, you'd be mm-hmm. naive to think otherwise. But I don't necessarily think in most cases – it is the first and foremost thing. Now, it better be in there. Yeah. I mean, you better address it. But I think there are other factors that come into play. For some, other factors may override NIL. For others, NIL may be the most important thing. It, it's, it, it, I do think it varies from situation to situation. And I think with certain family members, but I'm generalizing here, I think you know, certain family members, it's a lot bigger priority than it is maybe for the player themselves because you're not just recruiting the player in a lot of cases. You're recruiting their dad or their uncle or their someone in their family that does a lot of that stuff. And the NIL money may mean a lot more to them, Chuck, than the player itself. Well, here, here's the thing that I think we have to keep in perspective. And schools do, a, from what I gather, a pretty good job of educating their players on this. If you're a college athlete and say you're on scholarship and you're getting some money out of that collective and – Let's say, just for the sake of argument, you're pulling $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 a year out of that pool. You're a decent player, not a great player. You're not good enough to play in the NFL, okay? Two years from now, chances are you're not going to be making as much money as you are right now. You know, you're making more money today than you're going to be making when you go out into the work world here in a couple of years. And so... You better find a way to keep some of that money because theoretically that's what's going to keep you afloat until you figure out how to make a living as a civilian, so to speak. And I do think that from that perspective, the NIL can be very, very good. It can be very, very good. I also think it lends more credence to the phrase best days of your life because for some (laughs) of them it is. For some of them it is. And I hope, I hope, 
I hope that they're taking advantage of that. I think the schools, by and large, are educating them on all of that. I know a lot of the former players who wish they'd been around in NIL are telling these guys, man, you better hang on to that money because you may not be making quite as much as you think when you get out of school. It's amazing how many kids graduate college thinking they're going to make $100,000 right out of the chute. Best day of your life. It, uh, it just never seems to happen that way. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.